Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. We need to fire some umpires. We'll talk about that. Cincinnati Reds are a complete dumpster fire. And uh, a lot of things going on in the NFL, including Ryan Tannehill refusing, or at least claiming, that it's not his job to mentor the quarterback behind him. We'll talk about that and more. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome into an all-new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast presented by Shocked Energy. Go to shockedenergy.com. Get yourself a, a low-calorie, no-sugar energy drink. And uh, great flavors, watermelon and green apple. And again, you get those at shockedenergy.com. If you use the code STOVE, you get 10% off your purchase. So make sure you go today and get your Shocked Energy drink. Well, it's a new day um, as we coming to the end of a new week. And plenty of interesting things have gone on in the sports world throughout this week. I welcome in, as normally do on our Friday episodes, my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing? Doing good. Like you said, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about tonight. So, Yeah, and it's it's interesting because it is, it's not the uh, uh, normal stuff necessarily. A lot of additional stuff going on and uh, and things happen. And have you um, recovered from the NFL draft? Are you, uh, have you officially talked yourself into how great the Packers draft was? <laughs> how are you feeling about that still at the okay. end of the week? Yeah, I get more and more positive every day. So I, I, I love to follow stuff. And, of course, with the Internet now and the Packers.com and, and a lot of other things, you can really kind of keep up on on different things. And of course they're going to be positive, but I love to see details about, you know, these kids and the ones they are bringing in and the tryout players. So yeah, very interesting to me to try to keep up this weekend where they got the rookie mini camp and just see how stuff goes. So um, yeah, very positive about that. Found, you know, the schedule is going to come out, I guess, next week found out, uh, the Packers play the Giants over in London this year, and uh, things are starting to move along with the schedule. So, yeah, we have missionary friends in London, and uh, I was thinking I might need to schedule my trip to go visit the missionaries uh, sometime next fall. Uh, you want to come with me? We can uh, we go visit missionaries together if you'd like. Uh, but um, you're right; more NFL news will come out in the days ahead. Well, dad, let's just start with NFL since we're already on the topic. Uh, One of the biggest NFL news um, things that hit the news, I guess this, this week was Ryan Tannehill's comments when he said, uh, it's not my job to train, teach, mentor Malik Willis. And uh, let me get your thoughts on it first. And then I'll share my thoughts on it. Well, um, 
again, I, I think you kind of have to look at, at situations a little different, you know, with which team. Of course, again, I always think, you know, Brett Favre talking about it wasn't his job to mentor Aaron Rodgers um, from there. And, again, Aaron Rodgers said he learned a lot from Brett Favre, and it was by observing and learning stuff like that. So part of what Tannehill said makes sense. But I think you have to look at the team and the players, the people involved. Tannehill, you know, bounced around. I don't know that we ever thought he would be a starting quarterback and as successful as he has been. And, um, you know, I, I don't think he wants to give that position up. Um, you know, Malik Willis, it looks like will take some time. He has a lot of ability. So, uh, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think you want a quarterback to, you know, submarine anyone, but I think basically Tenny Hills, what I heard, you know, his comments that, Hey, he can observe and he will learn that way. I think there is some truth to that. I think a Tannehill's age and where he's at for him to try to, you know, groom Malik Willis. And again, I think the Titans are a funny organization. I mean, they would turn on him in a heartbeat. So um, I, I think he's probably playing it safe. You know, if he had to do over, he might not have answered that question or might have handled it differently, but he obviously should have known that question was going to come. So, um, you know, I, again, I, I don't think it's anybody's job to try to help somebody else take their job. There is certain teams where the quarterback's older and, um, you know, he's established. There's not going to be any question and he's going to help the next quarterback to come along. But um, I, I don't think there's anything necessarily improper about that. So I've gone, um, I was originally anti Tannehill on this and I've kind of come back around a little bit on him. First of all, I agree. It's not his job. It's not what he's getting paid to do. It is the decent thing to do. It's not, I mean, you don't have to spend every waking moment with the kid, but to say my comment was if someone was there to mentor Ryan Tannehill when he first came into the league, how much quicker would he have developed? How much better would he have been in Miami? Have he had, he had that um, stabilizing. If he had someone like where Ryan Tannehill is now, just to kind of take him under his wing a little bit. Again, it's not, teaching them every trick and everything like that. It's just it's just being there for a younger player. Um, I look at guys like Alex Smith, I think, is probably the best example that I thought of so far. When Patrick Mahomes got drafted in Kansas City, I'm sure Alex Smith wasn't happy. I'm sure he wasn't you know jumping up and down about it, but he did his job. And I and everything that we know, he, he did a part to at least encourage Patrick Mahomes. And he understood, if I do my job, I'll get a job somewhere else. And so when his season was done in Kansas City, he got a pretty good contract elsewhere. Um, for me, that's kind of where I am with Tannehill is there's no reason why you can't mentor him. You don't, you're not getting, that's not your job, but it, it's just the right thing to do. And you have to think about, boy, if you were him, if you were Willis, you know, what would you want? And, uh, and you know, one of the comments that was made that I saw was, well, this is a sign that Tannehill is scared of losing his job. Favre, not scared of losing his job necessarily to Rodgers <laughs> as much as he was just angry with the team. Maybe that's the same situation with Tannehill. Maybe he's not scared of Malik Willis. Maybe he's mad that the team drafted. I just, it's a third round draft pick for a guy who most people thought would be the first quarterback taken in the draft. I don't think you could be mad at the organization about drafting a quarterback in the third round, whether or not it's a kid that a lot of people have high expectations for. Uh, but the reason why I've kind of come back to Tannehill is now everyone 
not everyone, but athletes, NFL players are really busting on him, uh, saying now, you know, he can't lead the team and all this kind of stuff. And I don't think you can take one comment in a press conference soon after the drafting of a, of, of a more than likely replacement that you can take just that one statement and say that throws everything else out that we know about him. Um, so I think we got to have at least a little bit of, uh, of step back, let it play out a little bit, see what he does. And maybe as bold or blunt as a statement was, maybe that's not actually how it'll end up once they get in the room together and working together and things like that. Now, you look at Rodgers and Jordan Love. There's some issues there, I'm sure. Uh, Rodgers always said the right things. Hey, it's not his fault. He's not the one that made this decision, you know, those kinds of things. And he says that he treats Jordan Love well, and they seem to get along fine. But, um, you know, I don't think that he's pouring into Jordan Love the way that he has Tim Boyle or uh, Ben Kirk that's there now as the third-string quarterback. Yeah, he's going to be a little nicer to those guys because they're never going to threaten his job. <laughs> but Tannehill, I still think, should do the decent human thing and help out a young guy a little bit, show him how to be a professional. Um, and can he learn that by just watching Tannehill? Maybe, but I don't understand why you can't put a little bit of time also uh, into helping, uh, you know, welcoming him to the league and uh, doing your part there as well. Does that, am I, you know, too, too much on that? Or just because it's not his job, does it also mean it's not the right thing to do? Um, again, I think it kind of comes down to the personality of the players. And I think Tannehill always has seemed like he is a decent guy. And I think, like you said, before it's done, I don't think you'll see him, you know, doing the wrong thing. I think, again, he should have known the question was coming, but I think for it to be asked the way that it was, um, you know, it, it was hard. To, you know, if he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to mentor him, then, okay, immediately you got to see things happening and stuff like that. So I think as long as he's not against them, and, again, I think, you know, it depends on personalities, to, not to get bogged down again going back on Brett Favre. Brett Favre was always scared of losing his job. I think that's why he – broke the record for consecutive games. He knew if he ever missed a game, you know, that could be it. And there was two reasons for that. One, because Rodgers had potential. Two, that's how Brett Favre got his job. Right. Brett Favre was not ready to be a starting quarterback, and the other quarterback got hurt, and he never looked back. <laughs> yeah. And um, so he was always very concerned about that. I don't know that Tannehill um, – is that way. But again, you know, Tannehill's found him a spot here that he didn't find anywhere else. So I don't think he needs to wants to, or needs to relinquish it anywhere soon. And Willis is a guy with a lot of raw ability. Um, a guy that could make things, um, you know, make things happen. You know, he comes in and does things probably can't Tannehill cannot do then what happens. So, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting situation, but, um, I think what was said, you know, probably wasn't the right thing. Yeah. And of course I've not been a huge Tannehill supporter, especially in recent years. I feel like he's overrated. Um, I liked him when he got drafted. I liked him in Miami even, and I still like him to a degree. Now I just think people overvalue him. Um, I've kind of come to this comparison. I, you can give me your thoughts on this. I think his ceiling as a player is healthy Alex Smith. And I think that his floor as a player is Jay Cutler. And and if your floor is Jay Cutler, I don't think that's a bad. I don't think that's a knock. Uh, so that's where I see Tannehill. He's not a 
uh, Aaron Rodgers. He's not a Russell Wilson. He's not not the greats, but he has a good niche. He's found a good niche, and he he plays good football. So that's why I think I've got him in that Alex Smith, Jay Cutler range as a quarterback, which is why he should be scared of Malik Willis eventually taking his job. But I don't think from everything that we hear, Malik Willis is not ready to take his job this year. But it doesn't sound like Tannehill is excited about the idea of playing one more year in Tennessee and then Malik Willis taking over. So, And again, I don't blame him for that aspect of it. I just think that there's a better way, especially as a leader, as a quarterback, there's a better way to handle that question um, in a way that doesn't come off as I'm a jerk um, and I'm only in this for myself. As a quarterback, you are you have to be team centric, at least behind the podium. And uh, you know, so some people can say, well, he, you know, he spoke the truth, so that's a good thing, maybe. But if he's my quarterback, if, if, if that's the way he's feeling, I want him to lie about it. <laughs> I want him. I want him to show a united front uh, and to show the the boldness that he has. That even helping Malik Willis. He holds his job. That's my thoughts on it at the very least. And anyone listening, feel free to share your thoughts on social media, at Sports Stove, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, we're also on Facebook and YouTube as well. Uh, let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles real quick, Dad. Uh, one of the big question marks coming into this year is the NFC East. Uh, a kind of, in my opinion, wide open division. Washington maybe got better, depending on how Carson Wentz plays this year. Dallas maybe got better. Uh, maybe they got worse <laughs> with getting rid of Amari Cooper. Um, but you know, they got a, they've, they've added some pieces. Then you've got the giants. They got a new head coach, new offensive system. How does that work out? And then you've got the Philadelphia Eagles who seem by all means to have gotten better with, with one exception. They didn't do anything at quarterback. And so my question is, and I know we've talked about hurts some, uh, but is hurts the guy? I mean, he's got the weapons now. We, we, we talked about Cincinnati, and I'm surprised more people didn't follow the mold of Cincinnati and just going all in on weapons. But um, Philadelphia added weapons. A.J. Brown comes over in the draft day trade. They still got Devontae Smith. They've got um, Dallas Goddard at tight end. They've got Miles Sanders at running back. You know, they're not, not, not all top-tier players, but they're all good players. Is Jalen Hurts the guy that can take Philadelphia to an NFC East title in a somewhat weak division? I, they're not bad teams, but they're not great teams either. So that's ultimately what I'm getting to. Hurts has the weapons. Does he have the talent? Yeah, I, I, I think yes. I think he has potential to take them to the to winning the division. Um, I think it'll depend again a little bit on coaching. I mean, you know, getting in again, they need to work. He's got ability and he's got weapons now. And it's the coach's responsibility to some extent to get um, a system where he can be successful. Now, if they get a system and, you know, it, it just doesn't work, you know, he just can't read things. He just can't do it. Um, you know, I mean, we know he can run. And so, you know, he, he breaks out of the run more than he should. Then, yeah, then we can say that, you know, that won't work. And if it doesn't work in Philadelphia, you know, he may have trouble hooking on somewhere else. But I think with the talent they have, um, they should be able to work a system. And, again, the division they're in, you know, they should be able to have success. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And you really got the weapons. you got the two, like you said, the two wide receivers. You've got a tight end. And a quarterback like Hurts that can run, a tight end is a big thing. And then mm-hmm. if you've got the threat down the field, which they have now um, twofold, then, you know, 
Again, I, I I haven't studied them all together, so I don't know, you know, their offensive line situation and everything like that, um, or their defense. But um I, I, I think he has I think they have they have potential and I think he does. Yeah, in my opinion, it's a wide open division. Like I said, there's there's gonna be a lot of unknowns in that division this year. Um, you know, we'll talk about that as we get closer to the, the season, of course, but Dallas seems to be the most stable, which is odd to say. Um, franchise there in the NFC East. Again, the Giants, new coaching staff, um, still have Daniel Jones as their quarterback. The the Commanders, right? Yeah, the Commanders, they've got new quarterback in Carson Wentz. They've got some real talent as well. Uh, then you've got Philadelphia with what everything they're doing, uh, second year in the system, all that kind of stuff. And then you've got, um, that's everybody, I guess. That's, that's Yeah, that's everybody. So, Interesting, to say the least. That's a conversation I'm sure we'll have as we get closer to the to the season as well. Speaking of quarterbacks, Dad, we had one quarterback drafted in the first round this year. A surprise for many, a definitely a surprise for me. I predicted four, so I was way off on that one. 2023 NFL draft, currently the over-under that is set for quarterbacks in the first round is six and a half. After a year where we go one, I wrote an article, you can find it on bellyupsports.com, and asked the question, are the days of reaching for quarterbacks over? Um, it it looks from the early predictions like, no, they're not. <laughs> Next year, there's going to be everybody going for a quarterback. And there's some good ones out there, no doubt about it. But six and a half quarterbacks in the first round, how much do you think that number changes uh, throughout the college football season? Um, well, I, I think it will change. I think that's a little bit high. And, um, like, you know, um, I looked at some mock drafts and, you know, there was eight or nine names just looking at a couple different ones, which of course is way too early. Um, there, there are some teams that we feel like definitely we're waiting this year to get their quarterback next year. And you don't know how quarterbacks are going to end up this year. You know, we've talked right. about um, a couple, we just talked about one, um, you know, with Jalen Hurts and there's others there. Um, even some of the teams that maybe drafted a quarterback this year. Um, you know, how's that going to work depending on how these quarterbacks, and you never know how that's going to go in college, you know, with injuries both in college or in the pros as far as people, you know, needing a quarterback. But um, they are at big name programs, the ones I've seen so far, and you know there's going to be one or two quarterbacks from smaller schools that are going to yeah. rise when it comes to the combine and everything. It's It always is that way. Um, but you've got some, you know, teams in really big name programs here that are going to be high profile that everyone's going to, you know, some of them haven't achieved yet what they were expected to. If they do, then boy, there'll be a whole bunch of them available. But, um, you know, we kind of have to wait and see, you know, how the, how the college thing shapes up. But, but you know, early numbers was, but there's a lot of guys that, you know, people are really high on. Yeah, I'm looking at teams that could possibly draft a quarterback in the first round next year. Miami, if things go really bad with Tua. Uh, the Jets, if things go really bad with Zach Wilson. <laughs> Don't see that happening, but maybe. Um, I wouldn't think Pittsburgh. Baltimore, if things go like they did last year, possibly. Uh, let's see here. Indianapolis, looking for a Matt Ryan replacement. Houston, uh, could definitely be in the market. Uh, let's see here. Nobody in the West, probably. And the NFC East, you're looking at teams like Washington, Philadelphia, New York Giants would all possibly be in the hunt for that. Uh, in the NFC North, possibly Minnesota um, and Detroit. In the NFC South, Tampa Bay, 
New Orleans, um, Atlanta, possibly, even though they got Ritter this year, Carolina, definitely. Um, and then the NFC West, the Rams, I don't think they have a first round pick, so scratch that. Um, I think Arizona has things settled down there. San Francisco's got Trey Lance. Seattle obviously would, would be in the hunt. So there's several teams there um, that could possibly, worst case scenario, uh, two, three, four, five, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, uh, 12, 13, 14 teams possibly next year that could be in the hunt for a, for a quarterback in the first round. So six and a half is an interesting number for sure. Um, it'll be interesting, uh, but again, we're a long way away from that. A lot can happen before that ever comes around as well. Uh, last bit of NFL news that I have at least is uh, Tyron Matthews signing with the Saints. I think it's a good fit. Uh, I'm surprised Kansas City didn't bring him back. I thought maybe they would work something out. They did not. So New Orleans signs Tyron Matthew, of course, played college football in Louisiana and now will play um, possibly the rest of his career there as well with the Saints. Um, anything else NFL-wise that we need to talk about? Um, no, I mean, I think for right now, you know, there's going to continue to be stuff uh, coming up. We wonder if there'll be any other big moves this week. You know, you've still got um, – Baker Mayfield, you wonder what's going to happen with that. Um, but no news is no news so far. Yeah, I mean, considering there has been no news on Baker Mayfield, I mean, what's going to happen? He's not going to play for Cleveland. Cleveland has zero leverage in this situation. Seattle seems like the most obvious team at this point um, because they've got Drew Locke as their quarterback. <laughs> there's there's people who are hurting for quarterback but not not that badly. Carolina's the other one. They drafted Matt Corral, though, so I think they're out of that that category. So is there a surprise team like the Giants? <laughs> Somebody like that that could show up? I don't know. What, what? I mean, you said Seattle's a great fit for it, but in the past, is there anywhere else that makes sense as a surprise team? Um, well, I, I mean, I think what you're looking for now um, – yeah, it's been surprising that nobody has moved on him. But again, you know, there's different things, I guess, there with the contract. Um, you know, biggest thing now would be an injury. You know, someone that all of a sudden needs a starting quarterback. He's a guy that would definitely fit the bill. And um, usually a lot of times, unfortunately, that can happen during the preseason. But um, And again, there's a couple teams, you know, I think Carolina, um, you know, who said they're not interested, the Giants, the Seattle, depending how training camp goes and it gets into it, you know, they may change their mind, you know, rather quickly about that. Yeah, I mean, I think you want them in before camp. <laughs> and if you're going to have them on your team, I think you want them there early, as early as possible, of course. Carolina's out, 100% out. They've made that, their players have made it clear. They don't want it. If they do it, it would be an absolute chaos. In Carolina, so they're out. So I think teams like New Orleans could be a surprise team. I think the Giants could be a surprise team as well. Um, outside of those two teams, um, injury is the only thing that could spark. Seattle's, again, still the most obvious place uh, for him to go. Uh, so a barring injury, those are the three places. I think I think those are the three teams you got to watch right now. And uh, I'm not seeing any movement because, <laughs> again, no one has any reason to at the moment. Seattle's been kind of stuck on this. Yeah, we're going to go with Drew Locke. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I'm all for second chances and opportunities, but 
I would take Baker Mayfield over Drew Locke <laughs> unless they're just flat out tanking, obviously. Um, and even tanking in Seattle, you're not gonna you're not gonna get below Houston. You're not gonna, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, so you're not gonna get the number one overall pick. So I don't know. That's that's my thoughts on it. Who does get the over the overall number one pick next year, Dad? I'm sorry. Who gets the first pick next year? Um, boy, haven't really Houston. Haven't, haven't Houston broke, makes that, sense. broke that down yet. Um, it'd be. You know, Houston's going to have a hard time being very good, but um, I yeah. don't know what they'll be the lowest. I mean, Jacksonville's going to get better. Carolina could be in the hunt there yeah. um, for sure. I don't think Seattle's going to be that bad. I think they're going to be bad, but I don't think they're going to be that bad. In Detroit again, possibly. Um, they, they could see them up there towards the top as well. But there's not a whole lot of teams that I see as vying for that number one pick. Those would be the, the teams that I'm thinking of. Uh, uh, there, let's see here. Yeah. Detroit, Houston, and Carolina. Those will be my three. Atlanta could be really bad this year, dad. <laughs> I know you like Marcus Mariota, but Atlanta could be really bad this year. They could be. No, that's, that, that's very true. So. <laughs> I might, uh, uh, yeah, I might have to look at that one a little harder. Okay. Let's get into, uh, the topics of major league baseball. Dad, we've, had some interesting events go on this week. Let's start with Madison Bumgarner and the umpire. I called you today and and uh, and I asked you if you'd seen it. You said no. I just read that he got ejected for a substance issue, as uh, you know, for on his hand. I said no, no, no. That's not at all what happened. So I said you gotta you gotta look it up and watch a video. You did. Uh, the slow motion is creepy. Uh, if you see it in real time, it's not as creepy. It's still weird, but not as creepy. Um, this umpire dad, in my opinion, there's no excuse. There's no reason he was, he was trying to get a reaction. Uh, he got a reaction and then he threw him out. Now coming off the field, Bumgarner was jawing at the home plate umpire, which is not the one who threw him out of the game. Um, and the first base umpire, in my opinion, made up the, his decision. He just needs Bumgarner to say one thing to him and he's tossing him. So what can I do to make him say something? I stare him down. I rub his hand the weird way. He'll he'll surely say something he did. The umpire throws him out. I believe that umpire should be fired. I don't believe he should be suspended. I don't believe he should be uh, disciplined in any other way. I think he needs to be gone out of the out of the game altogether. Maybe maybe you could say put him down to AAA and he can earn his way back up. But I say get him out. There's no place for it. Uh, completely wrong move here by the the umpire. What are your thoughts after seeing it finally? No, after looking at it, I agree with you on that. Um, you know, there, there's really no place for that. I mean, it seemed like it was a very obvious deal where an official, you know, was going after a player. And, you know, you, I, there's no spot for that. Maybe he was trying to defend the home plate umpire. But, I mean, you don't need that. That's part of baseball, people yelling right. at uh, umpires and things like that. And, um, I, you know, I, again, I mean, I'm not for swearing, but, you know, when you get reports of what was said, I don't think there was any reason to eject him, you know, from the game. And I think it looks like that's definitely – I think you're right. That might have been premeditated. He knew he was going to do it, um, you know, before he even approached him. Yeah, they showed in the same game the uh, third base umpire checking the Mariners pitcher for substance, and the pitcher walked over, held his hand out. The umpire touched his fingers, and that was it, and they walked away. 
This one, uh, Bumgarner puts out his hand. The umpire grabs it with both hands. He's staring him straight in the eyes, feeling his hands. Um, and then again, once Bumgarner realizes the dude's staring me down, he says something to the effect, I, I've read multiple things, but what I heard Bumgarner said was basically, hey, if you're going to act like that, you need to go down to the minors. Uh, we're professionals up here, and and then he got tossed. And then, of course, um, <laughs> chaos broke as Bumgarner had to be held back, and, and I can understand his frustration with it all. And, uh, you know, we're not supposed to be pro-violence, but I mean, I had a hard time keeping my hands off in that situation as well. So it's interesting to see it. I, I don't know. I've not seen that anything's been been done yet to the umpire. But like I said, he won't get fired, but he should be. I, there's just no place for it at all. And like you said, if he was if he was in his mind defending the home plate umpire, I can appreciate that to a degree. But there's a line you're getting paid uh, to know where that line is, and you crossed it. And there has to be a consequence for it. Maybe the consequence, Dad, is the umpire should have to work Cincinnati Reds games for the rest of the season. There you um, go. That would be a cruel punishment. <laughs> let's let's talk about those Cincinnati Reds. Uh, they led 3-0 on Wednesday night and Thursday night against the Brewers. Lost Wednesday night 18-5, I think, 18-3, and 10-5. On Thursday night, this program, uh, I mean, the Reds, they're just an absolute mess. And they've not torn it down completely, but they've torn it down enough where they're going to be really, really bad. They clearly aren't. The organization is not trying to win. The players are. The managers are. But the organization is not trying to win this year. And you're up there near it. Uh, I'm down here relatively close to it, too. Fans are pretty irate about how this season's going. Yes, yeah, they they are, and it's really you know a, a totally different vibe up here because there's so many Reds fans. I mean, the Reds are just a big part of everything up here, and you just don't hear anything about it. You don't hmm. see the Red paraphernalia like you did. Um, I mean, it, it used to be when baseball season started. I mean, everybody had Red stuff on, Red stuff on their car, and and Reds things in front of their house, and you just don't you know. There's not that extent at all um, there. And so, again, I think the only way that this can pull out at all is, and I don't know that much about the Reds, you made the minor league system. You know, if they get some young players start to come up, it looks like, boy, they're trying to develop something for the future, then maybe before the year is over. But, I mean, I hear on the radio, you're trying to have big promotion about this going on this weekend and, you know, this going on here. And I, I just don't know that anybody's buying into it or excited at all. You know, you said that – um That'd be very cruel for the umpire to have to do that. Maybe it'd be good. You wouldn't have to worry about getting heckled by the crowd a whole lot because there's probably not a whole lot of crowd there. Very true. Uh, let me give you this uh, information from Jeff Passan on Twitter. He says the Cincinnati Reds are now 3-22. and 22. They have scored a nationally worse 79 runs. If they doubled that, it would still be fewer than the runs that they've allowed. 166 runs. Their 6.90 ERA is a full two runs worse than the next worst team. Not nice at all. This is tanking at its absolute ugliest, Jeff Passan says. So if they doubled their run total, they would still not be caught up with uh, what they've allowed. 
166 runs as well. So it's we saw it in the offseason, Dad, when they got rid of the pitchers. Sonny Gray was gone. Uh, Wade Miley was there last year. I think he's gone, right? And um, Okay. Um, Michael Lorenzen, who they had in the past, he's gone. Um, they're just – they tore it down. But like I said, they didn't tear it completely down. Houston, when they tore it down, man, they just – they tore everything apart. But here you still got Joey Votto. You still got uh, a couple of guys hanging around. Just get rid of everybody that's over 25 and start fresh. At least that way your fans kind of know what's going on. Uh, but it didn't help that the team president had some words about uh, moving the team earlier as well. And just everything has gone bad. And maybe the worst thing that happened to the Reds was the Cincinnati Bengals going to the Super Bowl because now everybody has something else to talk about. Um, in the past, they never had the Bengals to talk about. Now they do. And uh, so it seems like the fans have kind of moved on from Cincinnati Reds, at least until next year. They'll give it another chance next year when it comes back around as well. Um, let's talk about baseball as a whole, though. Uh, things that are that are still shaping up. You have the New York teams and the L.A. teams both uh, off to really good starts. The Yankees and the Mets both leading their respective divisions. The Angels and the Dodgers leading their divisions. Uh, I want to talk about the Angels, though, Dad. They are currently four and a half games up. Uh, excuse me, two games up on Houston. Houston's made a little bit of a run here the last couple nights. Uh, they're on a three-game win streak. But we talked about this before the season started in our Major League Baseball preview. The Angels are this team that has stars, uh, yet they're not in the playoffs. And they've underachieved. And this year, at least the way it started off, looks like we're finally going to see Mike Trout. We're going to see Shohei Atani in the playoffs this year. Is this something you think the Angels can carry all season? Uh, or do you think ultimately Houston or someone else jumps them in the AL West? Well, again, they've got great players, so you would think there'd be a chance that they could keep you know the momentum going. I'm sure everything is uh, much more positive with the fans. And again, you know, if they've got other players and other support, um, I know for base Major League Baseball would be excited to have a team doing well there with those kind of players. Um, oh, yeah. When you've got good, great players like that, if they don't get hurt, I wouldn't see any reason why you know they could be hard to catch. Well, there you go. You said it. <laughs> Mike Trout's been hurt every year. Shohei Atani gets hurt, it seems like, every year so far as well. Can they stay healthy? If they get injured, how much will it affect them? If one guy gets hurt, can they maintain? If both guys get hurt, that's going to be a problem. But uh, nonetheless, you know, so far, so good. Uh, let's see here. The Milwaukee Brewers are the second team in the NL right now uh, behind the Dodgers. Uh, so they're they're finally coming around. They've uh, had the opportunity to play Cincinnati the last couple nights, and that has worked out in their favor, <laughs> putting up a whole lot of runs uh, there as well. Let's see here. I'm looking to see um, the White Sox below 500 still. We thought they would be good this year. They're tied with yeah. the Guardians. That's the team in Cleveland, in case you forgot. Um, the Boston Red Sox, 10 and 16 as well. So these teams, um, higher expectations than what they're doing. Last year, the Red Sox overachieved and uh, had a great run throughout the regular season. This year, the AL East seems to have kind of fit back into what we thought it would be last year. The Yankees leading, Toronto up there, Tampa in the mix, uh, but Boston playing really to their to their talent level it seems like at least so far 
Yes. No, I, I think that's true. Um, you know, teams have been – some of the surprises, though, one, you know, I look because I'm being a Giants fan, so I knew they had lost a couple games and were dropping there a little bit. But I looked at the division, and that division is the number one division right now. I think a day ago, every team in the division was 500 or better. And that's not Still what up. anyone would have expected at the first of the year. So – you're right. Yeah, they still are as of this this recording. Arizona's at 500. San Francisco, uh, 14 and 10. Colorado, 15 and 10. San Diego, 16 and 9. And the Dodgers, 16 and 7. So yeah, they are playing a lot better as a whole. Colorado has been a lot better than we expected them to be so far. Um, they've got Chris Bryant injured right now, so we'll see how long that lasts. But uh, I still think eventually Colorado will come back down <laughs> to earth. But I think the other three teams at the top should continue to be competitive the rest of the season. I think it's been a fun baseball season so far. Last year, you know, I said multiple times, I think it was the best best season MLB had had for a long time. I think this year could possibly match that. The pitching has been phenomenal to start off this year. And uh, then we got a lot of teams still in the mix here early in the season to make it kind of fun for the fans and things like that as well. Uh, let's talk about playoffs real quick, Dad. Uh, we're in the middle of two different playoffs. We got the NBA playoffs going on right now. Um, uh, we are recording Thursday evening, so uh, so we can't really talk about the games going on uh, here Thursday night. Let's see here. There are no games. Hey, how about that? Just kidding. We're live on Friday. Um, we've got the 76ers in the Heat. Heat lead 2-0 in the series. They're the number one seed in the uh, East. And then you have the Suns and Mavericks 2-0 as well for the Suns. They're the one seed in the West. So it seems like, um, you know, these playoffs have been really interesting. Dad, probably the most interesting thing to watch, though, has been Golden State and Memphis. Uh, just incredible series. Now there's some bad blood with the Dylan Brooks uh, hard foul that broke Gary Payton's elbow and uh, and getting suspended after that foul as well. But uh, So you add the excitement of John Morant and Steph Curry to now the excitement of added bad blood to the to the series. Um, uh, what do you think about these playoffs so far? You're a Celtics fan. They're tied 1-1 with the Bucks. Yes, it's been, like I said, I've kept up on it um, a lot more kind of because of, of the podcast here and everything. And I, and I, we, I have watched uh, some, trying to watch a little bit um, every night. And there's been some really good basketball. I mean, there's been, you know, they've been playing defense, see some great – um, you know, I've seen some great passing and stuff like that um, and enjoyed that. Again, it's a totally different game than what I'm used to because of the, of the physicality and what's allowed uh, from there. But it looks like these playoffs are going to be good. I think people are going to – I think, you know, whether your favorite team goes on or not, um, you're going to have you – know, you're going to end up with probably four good teams in the finals and – um you know, players that are fun to watch and potentially teams that are fun to watch. But, yeah, adding some of the bad blood to it is probably, you know, um, added to some of the playoffs too. be interesting to see how well Memphis, um, you know, Memphis does if they can stay in this. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'll be interested to see for sure. Uh, I'll give you 60 seconds to talk the NHL playoffs. I've not watched a second of it. <laughs> I keep up on what the Predators are doing. They're going to play a different goalie on Thursday night. Uh, but that game was over by the time most people hear this episode, so we can't talk a whole lot about that either. Uh, but anything that you want to share about the NHL playoffs? 
I think it started off really, really well. Again, there's been some bad blood there, um, which in hockey, you know, is always kind of a physical um, sport there. But when you, the Rangers in Pittsburgh have been that way, um, of course, you had the one triple overtime game already. Um, and so I, I, it looks like, you know, again, it's been exciting, you know, Carolina kind of having their way right now. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's all fine. Playoff hockey, like you said, is always good, and you can tell the fans are into it. You know, full arenas, and it's it's just totally different with it being on ESPN and TNT, and it's easy to see all the games, which has not been the case before. All right, there you go. Uh, more information than I could have given. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's there's that. Um, we had something else to talk about that. I'm going to pass on that for now. Uh, the uh, NIL stuff. We'll talk about that again in a future episode uh, as well. But um, anything else you want to cover though, before we, we uh, close out today? Um, no, like I said, you know, a lot going on now with two sets of playoffs and, um, like I said, the NFL schedule coming out next week, just all the sports are, um, up and going. And of course you got, like I said, it is a good baseball season. So, um, you know, a lot of sports to watch, a lot to keep up on, a lot going on. And I think we're doing well. Definitely. Definitely. All right. I want to remind everybody to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at sports stove. Uh, we've got, uh, episodes that come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So make sure you tune in for each of those as well. Um, if you like energy drinks, go to shockedenergy.com. Use the code STOVE at checkout. You get 10% off your purchase. They have two flavors, watermelon and green apple. And again, shockedenergy.com. Use the code STOVE for 10% off your purchase. All right. Well, I got housework going on around me, and things are about to get loud. So we're going to sign off on this week's episode of the Sports Stove. Make sure you tune in to the next one. Rate, review, share, subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's Sports Stove podcast. Until next time, we'll see you around the sports stove.